Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Irish Times Inside Business Podcast in association with Davy. It's amazing what you discover when you really listen. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week, my guest was Dalton Phillips, Chief Executive of DAA, which operates Dublin and Cork airports and owns the Arena Global Duty Free Business. We talked about the devastating impact of COVID-19 on the group's business this year, particularly on passenger numbers over what would traditionally have been a very busy Christmas period. But with a vaccine on the horizon, we also talked about next year and beyond. And he gave me his view on the future of air travel over the medium term. Here we go. Yeah, Dalton Phillips, uh, thank you for joining Inside Business. Normally, um, this would be the busiest time of the year for you. Um, just tell us how many people typically today will go through Dublin Airport and how many would have gone through Dublin Airport on this day last year. So about this time of the year, Kieran, there'd be 85,000 passengers on average going through right through till the beginning of January and we'll be down... Uh, 90-odd percent, so it'll be about 8,500 people going through the business at the moment. So, the, in fact, the whole year, Kieran's been somewhere between 88 and 92, 93% every single day. Okay, that must be soul-destroying uh, in many ways. Not an awful lot you can do about it because of the pandemic, obviously. But you've had to take some mitigating measures, haven't you, uh, in terms of uh, staff pay and and so forth. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us how DAA has changed during the during COVID? So we had to react very quickly. Whilst we are a semi-state body, we carry our own water. We have uh, bonds in the public market. Um, and we, we have to self-finance ourselves. We have to deal with the, the vagrancies of, of a commercial market. So we had to act very quickly. And from March, as soon as it's hit, uh, we obviously aviation and hospitality got hit hit, hit first and, and the hardest. And we started very quickly losing essentially a million euros every single day. So we were having to pull levers very quickly. Started with all the obvious stuff at the very beginning of the pandemic in terms of um, your, your sort of controllable costs. So the obvious stuff from the marketing budgets, the travel budgets, uh, fixed term contracts, all of that stuff, but then quite quickly we realised this was this was very serious and it was going to stay. Um, we reduced 
staff's wages by somewhere between 20 and 40%, depends on where you sit in the organization. Uh, and that is ongoing. So somewhere between 20 and 40%. At the very minimum, staff have had their wages reduced by probably 23, 24%. So it's very difficult for staff, Kieran, and they have had to um, make incredible sacrifices. And it's not been easy. Now, the staff have been utterly outstanding and have all lent in. Uh, but very difficult when you're doing that level of pay reductions when you remember that the staff didn't bring this upon themselves. This was this is totally outside of their control. And we will have to reduce our headcount by a third. Uh, so a thousand people have already left the business internationally um, and approximately 850 to 1,000 people will leave the business here in Ireland. Well, a thousand people internationally, and what a lot of people don't perhaps don't realise is that you do have an international operation. You uh, manage or operate a number of terminals abroad, don't you? And uh, of course, you have Arinta International, which is the duty-free arm, and that has a lot of contracts internationally, quite successful. Yes, people forget that we're, we're one of the, the early Irish uh, multinationals. Some people would say we're, we're one of Ireland's first hidden multinationals. We operate in 14 different countries. Uh, in fact, uh, next week we, we will we'll enter into a new market. Montenegro will be opening a travel duty-free there. Um, and... and Essentially, when you think about our businesses, there's two parts to our business. There's an airports division and there's a travel retail duty-free business. The airport division is obviously Dublin and Cork, but we have a, a heavy investment in Dusseldorf. Uh, we're invested in two airports in Cyprus and we run the domestic terminal in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. So that's our airport business. And then the travel duty-free came out of the Shannon stopover back in 1974. And duty-free, as we know it globally, um, came from Ireland. Um, and so we are a, a significant player uh, operating, um, as I said, in 14 countries around the world. And the total group employs directly or, or through our partners about 8,500 people. Okay, so between overseas and between domestic, you're going to lose the guts of 2,000 people. Correct. Right, okay. So uh, a massive sacrifice. And, and for the people, the, the, the hugely challenging thing, Kieran, is that you're losing such talent. Um, people leaving the business with 30 and 40 years. But we, we've had no option. Most commentators talk about, and I'm sure you'll want to ask about the vaccine, but independent of the vaccine, most commentators think the aviation sector is not going to get back to 2019 levels until at least 2023, possibly 2024. So we have lost, if you take Dublin Airport, for example, we've lost 25 million passengers this year. That's the, the size of Australia. There's, there's 25 million inhabitants in Australia. That's the sort of quantity we've lost. Um, we're back to 1995 levels. And there'll be a slow recovery back. So whilst we've always been a very efficient and effective airport, um, the reality is we're overstaffed. And so we've had to put uh, together a voluntary staff um, scheme in place and uh, thankfully, there's been there's been great support from the staff because it's uh, it's very sad having to say goodbye to people. I don't want any of them to leave, and yet the reality is we need lots to leave to to protect the business for its long term sustainability. In terms of the finances, 
Dalton, you mentioned that 25 million fewer passengers will go through Dublin Airport this year. A huge hit, obviously. Um, but in terms of uh, the finances for the company, in terms of revenues, what will the hit be? And I'm curious to know what the hit will be as well for your travel retail business. So we, 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 we don't give guidance per se, given that we have um, debt in the public markets. But you're talking about a couple of hundred million plus losses this year. We've had to increase our liquidity this year by a billion euros. What do you mean by that now? When you say you've had to increase your liquidity, what, what are you talking about? So we issued a bond for 500 million uh, euros um, last month. We have increased our revolving credit facility by an additional 150 million, and we've drawn down an EIB loan uh, for 350 million. So we have increased our, our, our liquidity by a billion this year to sustain the situation we're in. Our net debt will double this year. Uh, And as I said, we're 100% owned by the state, but we have to carry our own water. Um, We don't get uh, any special treatment. And as I'm sure you know, in a normal period of time, we're actually, we pay a dividend to the exchequer. So our finances have been massively impacted, which is why we've had to take such drastic measures to control our cost base because quite frankly this business would have gone bust would have hit a wall um, earlier this year had we not reacted in the way that we did when you talk about a couple of hundred million um, losses do you mean that's a bottom line loss or do you mean loss of revenue no bottom line bottom line you're losing a million euros uh, at the height of the pandemic it was a million euros every single day Um, so you're talking about a very significant operating loss this year and clearly, we're going to have to rebuild our, our way back. Now, the, the, the fact is that the business has been very prudently run over many, many um, years. Um, and it's had a, a succession of, of different management teams that have really tried to manage the financial situation. Um, so we had a strong balance sheet going into this business, going into this pandemic. And had we not had such a, a strong balance sheet, we would have been in a in a very difficult situation. There's talk of upwards of 200 airports that may go insolvent across Europe in the next six months. Um, so thankfully, we're not in that situation, but it, it's come at a very high cost to our staff, which uh, I obviously deeply regret. Sure. Now, you mentioned the new... Um duty-free operation in Montenegro. It must be the worst time to open a new duty-free operation, I would have thought. I guess you were contracted to that, to do it at this time, so you had no choice. Uh, no, no choice, and uh, we we operate in, in 13 different countries, and at, at one stage, essentially all our businesses, bar the business in Qatar, were um, closed. So it's a very difficult time for, for travel retail, um, and we're going to have to take time to build back that business. But overall, this has been a very cash generative business for us, ARI, and it contributes and it contributes a significant amount of profit into the group, which allows us to invest in the group and the development of the group. And the, the I mean, Dublin Airport, for example, would be one of the lowest um, cost airports to operate in of scale anywhere in Europe. And and it's all interlinked, ARI, Dublin Airport, Cork, in terms of um, 
the ecosystem, you know, these are, these are strong businesses and they all contribute to, to making the overall business as strong as it is. But we're obviously having to withstand a very significant storm at the moment. We talked about Dublin Airport. Cork Airport is also one of the uh, airports you're operating here in Ireland. What's, what's been the experience in Cork Airport? Absolutely decimated. Uh, we have days now, Kieran, where there are no flights at all. Um, and this is Cork that was coming into this year, the fastest growing airport um, in the country, cl- closing in on 3 million passengers um, per year. So uh, to put that in context, it would be 25 to 30% larger than Shannon. Um, so growing very fast. Now, it, th- th- that whole region has been, has been developing very quickly. And now we're averaging about 200 passengers a day. And as I said, on some days, we have no passengers. So it's an airport that's going to lose 20 million euros. Uh, and it's in a very difficult space. We've only got two airlines flying in at the moment, Aer Lingus and KLM. Ryanair have closed their base. So it's, a, it's in a very precarious situation. You mentioned Shannon Airport. I know that's not part of the DAA group now. It was spit out, what, about seven years ago. But there have been calls for Shannon to come back under the ambit of the um, DAA. The unions, trade unions have certainly um, suggested that. And I know there was a, a report by an Oireachtas uh, committee which suggested that Shannon, Cork and, and Dublin maybe should operate under the one umbrella, a bit like the CIE companies. How would you feel about that? Well, look, it's absolutely government policy. They they, they split it out, Um back in 2013 and it's 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 not on our radar per se so it's it's very much government policy I, I obviously have seen some of that news flow but then also saw minister ryan saying that even if shannon was part of uh, of an enlarged group it doesn't solve shannon's strategic uh vulnerabilities so i i think it i think it, it's there's always a bit of noise on that, but um, we're very focused on, on what we have to run at the moment. Mm. And uh, certainly we've got our own hands full with, with Dublin and Cork here and what we do internationally. Dalton, when was the last time you took a flight yourself? Beginning of March. Crazy. I mean, I would have been flying every other week at least. Uh, and many of your listeners up to the show would, would, would have had the same experience. I haven't been on a flight since, since the beginning of March. It's crazy. So a staycation, I presume, this year for you and the family. Oh, absolutely, um, but actually, it's 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 funny because you, I, I I meet people in in a social setting, i.e., my family, let's say, or just as you meet people from um, from a distance, and they say, "Oh, it must be very quiet for you. The airport's very quiet. I suppose there's not a lot going on at the moment." And you say, "Wow." I don't think, you know, personally, I don't think I've ever worked this hard in my entire life. And when I look at the team that I work with, I think people are putting extraordinary hours in. It's so hard at the moment for the entire organization. Um, so I think even when people have had holidays, and I'm talking right across the business, it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or if you're somebody on a, on a, on a reduced hour contract in a facilities area, I think people are tired. I think it's across the country. People are tired. Uh, and even if they've had some time off, they haven't switched off because it's just sitting there uh, in front of you all the time. So I know that the country is just anxiously waiting for for some level of herd immunity and we can all start opening the country up again. Yeah, I suppose the vaccine is going to be rolled out, begin to be rolled out, it looks like, uh, later this month for us. 
And they've already started it in Britain, of course, with the Pfizer one and the United States has approved it and Canada has approved it. So perhaps there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. When you look at it now and you see the rollout of the vaccine, we're not sure precisely how long it's going to take for people in Ireland to, to get vaccinated. But what's, what's your assessment of next year on when people might start travelling in serious numbers again? So I see Q1, Kieran. so the spring being very, very quiet, similar levels to where we're at now. Essentially, the airlines have fixed their um, forecasts through Q1. So I think you're in this still minus 80s to minus 90s right through till Easter. Then I think you're going to start seeing it pick up. Um, we're hearing chat from different airline partners of 60, 70, and even 80% of 2019's capacity for the summer and late summer. Now, clearly, a lot of this depends on how the vaccine goes. But I think there is uh, a real level of optimism now that, quite frankly, six weeks ago, none of us would have had. And with six vaccines on the way and 14 million vials, I think there's a real level of confidence. And I think you've got a, a population which, in general, is very pro the vaccine. I think that the numbers that you hear reported out there are essentially 45% of the population happy to take the vaccine, um, uh, you know, at will. So I think that certainly provides some level of optimism. 40% of our business is VFR, so visiting friends and relatives. And there is just huge pent up demand now for people to see loved ones. Uh, be it coming in, inbound or outbound. So I think there's a level of confidence there. I think there's certainly a level of confidence around vacations. Um, uh, on one side, the country is awash with money at the moment. Saving rates have never been higher. On the other side, there is great uncertainty about what it means for people in terms of their own household finances longer term. But I think there's a real desire to get out of the country next year and I think whilst we have whilst we're not going to be anywhere near 2019 levels and arguably next year could be 50% maybe of 2019 um, still that that's a lot more than where we are now which is at 10% of 2019. Yeah sure um, so let's say we get to Q2 there is this pent-up demand which you mentioned the vaccine has been rolled out to a large section of the population and people are confident to travel again. How many airlines are going to be left standing uh, on the runway, as it were, to provide services? Uh, I mean, let's presume Aer Lingus and Ryanair are going to be there. But, you know, there were a lot of carriers coming through Dublin Airport and indeed Cork Airport previously. How many of those are going to return? Well, well that really is the key question, Kieran, and you're putting your, your finger on the, on, the, on the nub of the issue. Um, we came into this pandemic with approximately 53 airlines flying in and out. We're at roughly 20 now flying in and out. So some would argue, actually, we've done a, a, a very good job even hand, holding on to 20 airlines. Uh, and I would certainly subscribe to that because we know of European cities that have just been wiped out. So we've still got 20 uh, and we'll build back from there. Um, Dublin's a... And Cork, but I, I, I suppose first and foremost, Dublin is, is a key gateway to North America. It's a hub location. And I think the strategic uh, location will play to our strengths as more and more cities um, across Europe that previously may have had been able to support a direct route 
from a, a city in Europe through to North America, the, the, the traffic will just be too thin to support a direct flight. So that brings back the strategic advantage of these hub airports of which Ireland is one and we're the fifth most connected airport to North America. So I think there's still an opportunity here uh, to grow back uh, at a faster rate than other airports. We need to sort out the current testing regime that doesn't work uh, and we need to see the vaccine come back um, or, or sort of say come back. We need to see it well implemented into into. Uh, communities right across Europe, and I think we will be able to track back those airlines. But Kieran, the real challenge for us remains attracting those uh, long-haul air airlines that take years of gestation. So you take the Far East, where this going into this year we had linkages to Hong Kong, Beijing, and Shanghai, and bang, they're gone. And the gestation period can be four, five years to get these airlines to come in. And I think. That sort of long-haul connectivity is gone and it's not coming back uh, anytime soon. At Davy, the best conversations are always more than one way. We know it's even more important to listen than it is to talk. It's how we get to know our clients personally, by listening to you carefully and understanding what's important to your life, your family and your future. Then we can talk about a financial life plan that will suit you best. Davy. It's not just business, it's personal. Janie Davy, trading as Davy, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We take our responsibilities personally. What about the Middle East, Etihad and Emirates? Obviously, we're operating daily services to Dublin to their bases in uh, Abu Dhabi and, and Dubai. Uh, will, will they still be? Will they still be around next year? Yes, they will. And, and they've continued right through the pandemic. And there's a large cargo flow, obviously, that underpins uh, the route economics from, from Dublin out to the Middle East in terms of farmer or um, f- fresh foods, fish, etc. So uh, I, I would remain confident about the Middle East. But I think the Far East is going to be it's going to be a build back. And then in North America, some of those routes like Seattle, for example, Minneapolis. It's going to take time for airlines like Aer Lingus to, to go back into them because um, with the change in how passengers travel, um, I think it, it's going to be a challenge. And we haven't talked about it, but the business traveler, which underpins a lot of the economics as well, those people who get on that plane and turn left uh, really do support the route economics. And, and clearly there's no substitute for one-to-one uh, face-to-face meetings, but I think people are going to, we're going to see that f- initial meeting probably followed up by a Zoom meeting, followed up by another person-to-person meeting. So you're, you're going to see pressure on that, on those business loads. Okay. Now, last week we reported that Aer Lingus are moving some aircraft, new aircraft that they're receiving from Airbus. They're moving them to the UK and they're going to fly transatlantic out of the UK. They've, they've got a UK subsidiary now that's going to do that. These were aircraft that were, were originally earmarked for the Republic. Are you worried by that kind of a development where Aer Lingus is putting a focus on transatlantic out of the UK rather than through Dublin? Well, I'd say two things. Uh, the first is we are huge supporters of what Aer Lingus do and we want a strong Aer Lingus. And if they can see an, a commercial opportunity at this stage that we can't uh, offer them because there isn't the loads coming out of Ireland and, and that can underpin their business, that's good news for 
Dublin and Cork because we need a strong and vibrant Aer Lingus. Um, so I, I see it at that stage. I think the, the second point that I would make is that competitively, Dublin Airport is one of the best value airports in all of Europe. Um, in fact, we came into this pandemic having reduced charges by 22, 23% versus the previous year. And if you were to compare us to other similar airports across Europe, we're about 40% cheaper than other airports. So our value proposition is really strong. Um, and I would be very confident that if and when demand picks up in this country, we'll be able to uh, attract airlines like Aer Lingus back in here. And we have no problem competing against Manchester. And our value proposition is every bit as good. Well, it's actually a lot better than, than Manchester's. But at the moment, this is a question of there, there is demand in that part of England. Uh, and we just don't have the demand at the moment. We're still essentially shut off. We're quarantined and quarantines mean means border closures uh, as far as I can see it. Okay, I mean, you mentioned costs and being great value. Uh, Michael O'Leary over the years has been grousing about the value out of Dublin Airport, but anyway, we won't go into that. Now, you did also uh, have a, a plan in the pipeline, which I presume still is in the pipeline for uh, another runway, a new runway at Dublin Airport. And I think there was a two billion expansion uh, planned of aircraft stands and gates from terminals and, and so forth. Um, where are you at? with that plan, with those plans for expansion? Have they been put on hold? Are you, are you still going ahead with them? Presumably they're contracted. So we're, we're very cognizant of the fact that we need to connect Ireland to the rest of uh, the world. That's, that's very much part of our, our, our vision for this business. And so we do need to invest in infrastructure. And you'll remember in, in the 80s, when we had the enormous uh, recession then, we actually built the current main runway that we use today, runway 1028. So that was built in the, in the last, or, or not in the last recession, but in the 80s. Uh, in the last major recession, the great financial crash, we invested in Terminal 2. Um, and we will continue to invest in this business. In fact, during these downturns, the pricing softens. So actually, you can get a better, you can actually get a better price. Now, we have to be very careful given our balance sheet has been stretched to such an extent that we're only building exactly what we need. But for example, we need to complete the new runway. Um, we are heavily invested in that uh, pre the pandemic. We started it last year. It'll be finished at the beginning of next year. So we need to complete that. We've got a number of major security upgrades that are going on in Dublin Airport and in Cork. So we'll continue with that. And we will continue to look at developing new infrastructure that will help us achieve ultimately a 40 million uh, passenger goal in Dublin Airport. We're going to be, we, we will probably change the timing somewhat, Kieran, but the ambition won't have changed at all. Last year, you had a record 32.9 million passengers um, through Dublin Airport. Now, you mentioned this year is going to be way down and um, you hope to get back to sort of 50% of last year's level uh, in 2021. How long do you think it'll take before you get back to that 2019 uh, level? And how long before you reach that goal of 40 million that you had originally set yourself? Oh, I think we're, we're some years away. 2024 would be when we would hope to get back to where we were last year. So I, I think you're talking towards the end of the decade now for 40 million. But, but it's infrastructure and it takes a long time. And um, we're going to be, we, as I say, Ireland is going to be the beneficiary 
of some significant foresight from the planners who back in uh, the early 60s, in fact, before anybody landed on the moon, people had said, we need to provision uh, a location for Dublin Airport to have a third runway, which back in the day must have been absolute madness. But those people um, ster- you know, kept that land um, clean and sterile and we're the beneficiaries. I'm talking about our, our generation where we'll have a, a heavily connected uh, major airport uh, into the rest of the world with capacity, with, with, with two main runways and a, and a third crosswind runway. So uh, we've got to keep building um, and, and thinking of the future, and it's incumbent on us to do that for future generations. What about the legacy of COVID in terms of our attitudes towards life and how many times we travel? And we're thinking a bit more nowadays about sustainability and so forth. I suppose we were um, flight junkies, maybe in a way, in that we were taking a lot of short breaks um, throughout the year and uh, more holidays than the, our, pre, our predecessors' uh, generation would have done. In the future, do you think people will fly as much? Do you think they'll take as many vacations? Do you think that corporate travel will return to the level it was at previously? We came into to this year, and I'm talking about the sector, the aviation sector, with, with sustainability as the the number one issue. And uh, I think it, it, it remains a, a critical issue for the sector that the sector needs to overcome. It, it's obviously not the travelling that uh, causes the... the the, the issue it's the sorry it's not it's not travel per se it's the emissions so we need to really deal with with the emissions and I think it it does create a real headwind and people are really thinking twice about uh, taking that extra flight and we see this now in Europe with with the the growth in in rail um, and I think when you to, to your question about the, the impact of COVID I think COVID layered on means that people may not travel, certainly on a business side, won't travel as much. Uh, I really don't believe that's going to, business travel will return to the levels that it was for some time, if if it ever will. Um, And the attitudes to that weekend break, I I think, are changing. I think next year, you're going to see, I I do think next year is going to be unusual. If people can travel, they will go, because I think they've been been cooped up for such an extent. But I think longer term, this is a big issue for the sector uh, and we're having to do our part. Now, aviation actually, in terms of global emissions, is, is about a third of the emissions that comes out of the textile sector. But it's very much centred center, uh, uh, in, in terms of the narrative at the moment and we're all having to do a lot about it. We'll be carbon neutral here this year in Dublin Airport. We've talked about being net neutral by 2050, as has the rest of the sector. And I think there's a lot of work still to be done. Yeah, sure. Um, You joined DAA in 2017. You were previously in the retail sector. You ran Brown Thomas, you ran Morrison's, you had other senior roles as well. If things had worked out differently, you might currently be in the retail sector dealing, grappling with some of these COVID issues. I know retail is obviously a a big chunk of your business with uh, DAA too. But any regrets about going into aviation? Well, it was funny that the, the, the retail sector had been, has been struggling for, for so long, uh, uh, as you know, with the structural shifts in the market. Um, but grocery retail, which is where I really cut my teeth, has been a huge beneficiary 
uh, from from COVID. And as a as a CEO friend of mine said the other day, COVID it's the gift that just keeps giving. So that was just, that was the the food retailer's perspective of COVID, and of course aviation. It's it, for so many years had had huge tailwinds, and now we're obviously facing this this incredible storm. Um, but I have no regrets. I've always loved aviation. My, my parents were pilots. I've got a pilot's license. Um, I'm totally fascinated by it. And uh, I, I suppose a big regret would have been that I didn't um, take this opportunity to, 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 to join the sector earlier. And I'm particularly happy here at DAA. I think it's a terrific business. And I think we've got a real opportunity ahead of us despite all the challenges. You're on a seven-year contract, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So that takes you out to 2024, which is when you hope to get back to 2019 levels. Does that, uh, in some ways, I don't know whether you plan to stay on the beyond the seven years, but um, is that your kind of ambition now to sort of deliver DAA back to that kind of level by then? Well, the team and, uh, and myself are obviously going to give it everything to to rebuild the business and. Um, to, to, to move it on. And I, I think in these, these businesses that have great tenure like ours, it's been around for 80 years, you, you're a chapter in the book, Kieran. And uh, I think we all feel a, a, a huge responsibility that, that people can look uh, back and say, oh, well, 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 that group, they did a good job uh, in very difficult circumstances. So certainly like to get back to 2019 levels as quickly as possible and um, hopefully before 2024 uh, and prove all those um, global economists wrong who say it'll take until 2024. Now, you do have the government as a, the state as your owner, so I guess that's a very good backstop to have. But is there or was there any danger that the AA could go out of business? Oh, 100%. Like, um, if we hadn't have... Uh, taking the actions we had taken, we would have run out of uh, liquidity, um, and we would have we would have gone bust. Now, the government. Um, I, I think one of the the reasons why this is a, such a successful organisation, and, and I'm sure um, if you if you look at ESB, you, you you could say the same, and and a number of other semi states is when you're on your own, and this is an organisation that very much feels like it's on its own, and it's got to as I say, carry its own water, it very much focuses the mind. And having worked in PLC land prior to here and being a CEO of a FTSE 100 company, um, it had different shareholders and you might have had a BlackRock and, and we've got the government as our shareholder, but the rest was very similar. You've got to look after your business, you've got to manage your balance sheet um, and, and you've got to... You've got to manage your day-to-day business and um, that's what we've been trying to do and we're very fortunate our staff have come with us on this journey but it's been hugely difficult for them. A couple of questions to close Dalton Uh, one is what key piece of travel advice would you have for people who are planning or considering um, traveling between now and let's say when when the vaccine um, is widely distributed widely available what what would your key piece of advice be? Well there's a lot of confusion around um the, the, the different quarantines, the different testing um, regimes in, in, the, in the country you're going to. So I think first and foremost, it's to have a, a really good understanding. We, we put, put information on our websites, the airlines do that as well, but having real clarity about where you're going because you could be going uh, to, to a country and if you don't have the correct pre-departure uh, test done, so if you're going to Germany, you might need a PCR test. If you're going to Italy, it might be an antigen test. You need to 
to get on top of that and know what you need to get into that country. And I think if you don't have that, you're going to have a very difficult journey. And finally, when do you hope to fly again yourself and where would you like to go? Oh, uh, I'd like to, to get back in the air in early January. I think it would be my ambition to start. Um, well, we, we need to see the restrictions somewhat lifted, but we have a, we have a large international business and um, I don't think it's great to have your CEO who's not in those countries uh, as often as uh, he or she should be. And, and in my case, we're spread around the world and uh, part of my job is to be out there and uh, working with my teams. So <laughs> I've got 13 countries I need to get to pretty quickly. I haven't been able to get to them all year. Who's top of the list? Middle East is a, is a big business for us, the Middle East now. So that whole region is, is, is really important. Uh, Bahrain, Saudi, uh, Qatar, uh, Beirut. Uh, these are important countries for us, so I, I probably need to go there first. Okay, well, Dalton, we wish you well, and uh, we wish you safe travel in the new year, if uh, if indeed that comes to pass. And thank you for uh, thank you for joining Inside Business, and happy Christmas, Sue. And the same to you, Kieran. Thank you for having me. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Dalton Phillips of DEA for coming on the show. Thanks also to our sponsor, Davy Group, for its continued support. Declan Conlon produced the show with JJ Vernon on sound. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care, stay safe and happy Christmas. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.